Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Welcome to this week's PR Moment Podcast. On the show today is Debbie Penton, Managing Director of Wildfire PR. For those of you that don't know, Wildfire is a, an independent tech PR firm with a fee income of about £2.7 million and 25 employees. Before we start, my weekly reminder about our amazing webinars that we've got coming up, um, the details of which are on the homepage of pmm.com. Uh, we've got top tips for TikTok marketing um, coming up in a couple of weeks' time, um, in addition to uh, another one we're running on LinkedIn as a marketing channel. And for those observant amongst you, um, you will have noticed that the PR Moment Awards for 2022 have now opened for entry. So do have a look on the homepage of the PR Moment Awards website uh, where you can check out all the categories uh, and our stellar um, selection of judges for next year. And finally, thanks so much to our PR Moment podcast sponsors, the PRCA. Debbie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ben. Now, in our pre-show chat, you said something that made me laugh. Um, you said that in your first PR job, you weren't allowed to wear trousers, which just seems incredible um, looking looking back on these things. But I guess that maybe that wasn't that 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 long ago. When was that? When, when were you not allowed to wear trousers in your in your first PR job? Does that say something about my age, Ben? Well, um, I, I, I thought, I, as I said that question, I started feeling mildly awkward, but I, I, I promise I wasn't suggesting that. <laughs> uh, it was actually, it was, so it wasn't my first PR job. It was my placement from university. Right. And I worked at a software house in Peterborough. And you're right, I wasn't allowed to wear trousers. The HR team looked down on that. Um, uh, but I did wear trousers. I just used to avoid going past their office uh, because I don't really like to be told what to wear at work. What, what was the, did the HR team ever sort of, take you to one side and say Debbie can you not wear those trousers or was it was it just written somewhere down it was I mean, it sounds like a remarkably awkward conversation if if that was the case I mentioned it to my boss and I think other people <laughs> told me so Brilliant. <laughs> uh, must have been yeah uh, it's funny looking back by the time I bet you I bet uh, you know it's not it's not great is it um now your time at banner pr um seemed to be quite important i, I mean it's one of those old old names we'll talk about banner pr in a moment but it was it, it was clearly an important job for you wasn't it where you in that sense learned the ropes it was absolutely i absolutely loved working at banner i had had a year's work, um, pr experience working at another agency and Banner gave me everything that that I didn't feel I got there in terms of a culture and fun and I could wear trainers. The um, my outfit seems to make maybe be a recurring theme in this. <laughs> um, well, well, unfortunately, this is only we only take the audio fee, but you're you're wearing a resplendent pink pink jumper today, so um, maybe there is a link there. Well, I was once told in my first PR job that I needed to get a suit to get ahead. And uh, the women in question who told me would just look dreadful in a purple suit. And I, I really just thought, I just don't think I want to listen to you. No. So well, um, there, there are those jobs where we learn a lot by watching people do what we never want to do. Do you know what I mean? And maybe that was one of those. 
I think it was one of those, but Banner gave me everything that I did like. It was just, I think the culture as well, you know, within, with, I think within my first two days, I was off to Budapest for a big snazzy company offsite. Um, it was an advertising agency at heart. So uh, it had that sort of, it had a much more cool um, culture than perhaps some other PR agencies at the time. And, and what happened to Banner? Because they were, when I sort of came into PR, they were, a name on the up, frankly, but but it, it sort of it all disappeared, didn't it? Really, it did. It was a combination of things. I think uh, there was a bit of a dot com crash, um, right. and we lost a couple of clients. But it also culminated at the same time that we got acquired by WPP, who didn't take such a kind eye on those sorts of things. And so there was quite a lot of um, times, and we'd come in in the morning and be down a few colleagues. Um, <laughs> We weren't quite sure what was going to happen, and that can that can play havoc with a fun culture. Yes, it's not. It's, it doesn't quite work. But it's, I was going to come on to that later, actually. But it's interesting that without overdoing it, that seems to have that scarred you a bit, didn't it? it the that 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 networked agency or that impression of networked agency world from the, that relatively short time when when you you worked um in effect for WPP at, at, at Banner you, you don't seem to have wanted to, to to go and work for a big firm again I think I don't want to work for a company that's run by accountants um I don't want to work for a company that's basically run by private equity companies either because they are and, and I saw that with um, a number of people I know working for companies like that through the pandemic um, and what that meant in terms of them having to safeguard their profit margins over some of their kind of employee safeguarding they should have been focused on. Um, so I think that those sorts, of, uh, those sorts of things, yeah, I guess it, it did, it, it, it did. Did it scar me or just inform me? Or yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it depends uh, on, on your perspective. Scarred. I was yeah. lucky. I wasn't. I wasn't got rid of. Uh, but um, yeah, it certainly was uh, an eye opener. Right. Um, and sort of, I suppose, related to that, when you we, you chatted about it in our when we talked before, when you left Banner, you um, you gave your recruitment consultant a list of 30 firms who you were prepared to work for, all of which were independent. Is that right? Uh, it was nearly right. I gave them a list of 30 I wouldn't work for. OK, sorry. Um, it, made her, it made her job a little bit more tricky. She had okay. to kind of really route through Hollis to try and find out uh find companies that I did want to work for and that were in a commutable distance because I also didn't want to commute too far and uh, a number of kind of demanding requests. <laughs> and that, in essence, is what led you to Wildfire. It did. Right. Uh, and again, it, well, an interesting one in your interview at Wildfire, you were, you were asked whether you wanted to have kids or not, were you? which isn't necessarily the most politically correct question I've ever heard. No, and it was a very, very, I mean, it was one woman with some freelancers at the time. So I don't think politically correct was a was a key consideration. Um, it was a it was a very frank discussion about what we wanted to do with our lives, what uh, she wanted to do with her agency, the roles that we could play and how we could kind of manage that together. Um, so, yeah, and I, I was I just about I think I'd got engaged. And so it was. I guess a fair question to ask if you were sitting down the pub with someone, but in, you know, not officially the sort of question that you should ask in yeah. an interview. But, but you kind of, in a sense, like the, the honesty and, and it fitted into where you, where you were thinking of taking your life at the time. Uh, and in essence, you decided to, to, to get on the, um, to get on that particular cart. 
I did. I thought, let's take a punt at this. This is a bit of a strange one. It's not an agency I necessarily knew, but I saw an opportunity to get involved with something and shape something in a way that perhaps I wouldn't have been able to somewhere else. And it's it's worked out exactly as you planned, I guess. Um, it's taken nearly 20 years, Ben, yeah. but yes. <laughs> well, these things always take longer than we think they're going to take, don't they? They do. Um, but your time at Wild First seems to fit into three stages. Um, and, and stage one, let's talk about that first, is when you and Lorraine Jenkins, in essence, formed a good partnership, grew the business, uh, and in your words, not mine, took time to have kids. Yes, we took time and we took it in turns. It was yeah. very fortuitous and there was no other, it just happened that way. Uh, but yes, we took it in turns to have our full maternity leaves. Um, that we, you know, and that's that's great to be able to do that and not have to worry about the business when you're worrying about everything else. So uh, that worked out really well. And then stage two, it was in essence when you got the you got the revenue up to about a million. Yeah. Um and then there was a, well, just before the merger with DML, um, I mean, I, I remember that now. What, what was that all about, that merger? Because it was two relatively small firms coming together to, to, I suppose, create a wider offer. Is that, in essence, what it was about? Yes, and I think Richard was, who was the, Richard Parker was um, the owner of EML, had, um, he'd asked his business partner, his, his exited business partner to go and find a company to merge with. And so he did, a, he went and came up, came up with the list and we were at the top. Um, and I think he really wanted to grow the agent, his agency, but also look at how, you know, and, and kind of lay a plan for his exit in the future. So almost find a successor. But, uh, but did, was there a contact there? Did you know each other before that? Or was it just this random list of, of agencies in a, in a geography that he put together or how did it all work? I think there was a random list, but I think, oh, well, not random, there was a list, but actually um, Richard and I had met at a lunch previously, so, but we didn't know each other well. Right. It's funny how these things come about, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then at around that time, Danny Watmo and Max Tatton Brown joined the business, um, and that seemed to help grow your digital credentials, and that, that was clearly a period of, of significant growth, uh, both in revenue terms and, I suppose, credential terms for the, for the firm. Yeah, I think so. Um, Danny joined um, as an account exec. Um, It's amazing to see how well he's done now, (laughs) Um, starting in such humble beginnings. Um, But that was quite a while before the merger, actually. He'd probably been with us about four years and maybe Max had been with us a couple of years. So uh, they'd been responsible, I think, for some of the growth and the uh, recognition that Wildfire had seen and some of our skills and and work that we'd done. They were, you know, much more digitally savvy than than Lorraine or I and and brought a lot of um, interesting thinking and approaches um, and energy as well, which was fantastic. So I think that was... um, you know, and they stayed the other side of the merger as well. Um, it was kind of gave them a bit of change and something different to to do before they went off and accelerated their fantastic careers in other directions. But, but what was EML in essence? That was what sort of business was that prior to the merger? Uh, it was much more focused on um, deep tech sort of semiconductors and um different types of clients focused on electronics businesses it was quite complementary with us because our clients were much more in sort of digital marketing and um, enterprise IT and and consumer tech and and actually email didn't really have clients in that space so um, it was a PR firm firm, yeah it had been other things in its in its distant past but it it was a PR company fine okay yeah um, it's I can't remember you were there or not but years ago we had a a lunch with Chadlington with a whole bunch of um 
tech PR, independent tech PR firms in the room. And his advice was that you should all merge and create a bigger entity to, um, to, to then make yourselves more valuable for the for a second stage sale, if you like. And it was kind of, you sort of followed that theory, albeit at a, a lower level, if you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I was at that lunch and um, it was, we had merged already. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I got to know uh, Peter as a result of that. It was quite oh, interesting. Oh, very nice. Well, yeah. Great. Um, and then stage three is when, you and Andrew Shepard bought the business from Richard Parker, right? Um, and, and just yeah. talk us through through how that worked. Uh, yeah, well, so Richard um, and Lorraine took a back uh, took a step back from the business in 2017, uh, but Richard stayed a shareholder, stayed involved in the business, but um, didn't really didn't come to work. Um, and I, um, my non-exec director, who is Neil Backwith, um, he recommended to me that, that at some point I needed to pull my head out of the sand and, and deal with, uh, and embrace an MBO because there was no other way I was going to get rid of Richard. And while I didn't mind running his business for him, um, albeit I was a shareholder, but just a minority one, that would start to grate and it would be harder to get rid of him. And ultimately, Richard wanted to retire, fully retire and, and get out and take his money. So um, we set about doing that at the end of uh, 2019 and we completed the MBO um, in legal terms, but not financial, um, at the beginning of 2020. And that's, it's, should we just explore that a little bit? Because it's always a difficult one for both parties, actually, in a way, isn't it? Because if, if you've got a, 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 an owner of a business who is, um, and that's been their, their, their life's work, in a sense, commercially anyway, professionally, um, and, and they're sort of, I don't know, we always think that there's going to be this liquidity moment where, I don't know, Omnicom or WPP or someone knocks on the door and says, um, we'd like to buy your business. But actually, the far more likely purchaser of your business is a member of well, a member of your team, in this case, yourself. So that was it's, it's a very good way for a you to come in and, and reinvigorate the business in your way, but also for a, a past owner to to exit, isn't it? And it's do you are you surprised that are, are not more de- deals done in that way within within PR, do you think? Um, I don't know how all the deals are done in PR. I mean, I do know quite a few who that have where the MBO has happened in a similar sort of way. Um, I actually, um, and I spoke to the people running those businesses or had been through what I was going through just to get some advice. One of the things I didn't want to do was um, put up a personal guarantee for a loan in order to do the buyout. Um, It just wasn't something I was prepared to do. And I was advised against it by the people who'd been through that as well. So um, that was a kind of sticking point for me mentally, just in terms of how we might be able to structure that deal. But as it was, you can structure deals like that based on just profit and not based on loans and those sorts of things. So that's what that's the route we were able to take. Right. And it's I mean, it's a it's a good model, isn't it? Because in essence, without getting too personal about it, that there's who else is going to buy that business other than you, if you see what I mean? So there's you there's bargaining power on both sides of that on that equation, isn't there? So it kind of um, it, it can. It's never easy, especially when the lawyers get involved, but it's uh, you obviously found a way through. Yes, I mean, other people could have bought the business, I guess, um, and we had some conversations along the way of people who might have been interested. But ultimately, it relies on me or the person who's running the business to want that to happen. And because Richard had taken a step back from the business, it was difficult for him to kind of force me to do anything. 
um, which gave me probably more power than he would have liked in hindsight um, and certainly is a lesson to me moving forward. <laughs> Blimey, I wouldn't want to play you at poker, Debbie. OK, um, now the deal was completed in what early 2020, wasn't it? That was just as Covid hit. Um, and that must have, did that give you, I don't know about sleepless nights, but create a few issues? We were initially worried about cash flow because when you're doing a deal like that, although a lot of it's based on future payments, whoever want, you, you want to try and get as much of that up front. Richard wanted to get as much up front. So we had to empty the bank accounts to, to a degree. Um, and that so like any small business, the you know working capital is is a key thing. And so we may we were nervous about that but not nervous about the business uh just nervous about that and so we took some you know we had some various measures to to, just to make sure that we could build up um the the kind of reserves again really so that was that that was the main concern um rather than you know we were lucky and certainly in b2b tech that we had some stable clients and um we were able to weather the storm quite you know reasonably yeah, it sort of all worked out a bit better than I think a lot of us thought it was going to, uh, and a bit quicker than we thought it was going to, didn't it? But I guess you were, I don't know, insulated is the right phrase, but put it this way, tech, tech PR was a pretty good place, as good a place to be as any, wasn't it, frankly, yeah. um, during that period? Yeah. Um, just moving things on a bit, well, where do you, we talked a bit before about, um, you know, what, more, what modern PR employees want, and I, I say that with a sort of eye on the current, debate of of working from home working in the office um investing in your employees becoming a better becoming a better employer um i I know that's something you've thought about quite a bit but have you sort of reached any conclusions so to speak in terms of what um modern public relations employees are looking for i don't think it's changed fundamentally i don't think it's changed that much i think just some of the things have been dialed up a bit i think essentially what we all want working somewhere is that sense of belonging um, whatever that means, um, that has you know greater significance these days when we're looking at diversity, inclusion, belonging, all those sorts of things. And so, it you know there, there's a greater focus in those areas. But that's what we've always wanted to feel kind of connected to, our, you know, our business and their goals and the vision and all of those sorts of things. Um, the other thing that's certainly dialed up is that sort of degree of autonomy. And of course, we all are in a position where we can actually choose who we work for. But within that, we want to be able to make other choices, have a bit more freedom around where I work, when I work, how I work, those sorts of things to a degree, because ultimately, you know, we still have to work on this client and that client and do those sorts of things. But I think, again, that's that's something that's, you know, certainly, you know, got more focus now, especially with with the um, you know recent times. And I think the, you know, and finally, but you you want to have more control over your career, not necessarily and 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 be able to kind of carve your own path a little bit. Um, you know, not just go, oh, I'm an AE and now I want to be an SAE. There's got to be more to life than that. And I think but, but that's one area. I mean, I agree with all those three points, but go, I mean, just taking that last point, for example, what that, that's definitely true. But how, as an employer, what what does that mean? What sort of things do you do to um, to give your employees that, um, that, 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 that objective, that's something to aim for, um, which is beyond just going to a senior account exec from an account exec, if you like? 
Well, it's a, it's not, it's not something we've nailed completely, but it's a program we put in place around ambition mentoring. So everybody internally has an ambition mentor who is focused on talking to them about their career and where they want to be, and not just what we want to get out of them while they work with us, but how we can help them think about what they really want to do. Is is it the be all and end all just to get to account director? Not for everyone. Um, and if people are feel comfortable being not, honest, not for everybody. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, go. Cool. <laughs> you know, that's the assumption that you make when people kind of come in at the bottom layer. It's like you've got a really fixed ladder. And that's attractive to a lot of people because it gives you the next thing to aim for. Um, but actually, that's, you know, it's not it's, it's not that when you get there, it's like, oh, what do I do now? Um, so I think if you are helping people think more broadly about what they're really interested in, are they, you know, are they interested in, in branding? Are they interested in um, ESG initiatives? Are they interested in something else within a business or outside of a business and if that if they're given more time to think about that encouraged to and given time from work and investment into explore what really interests them and how they can use their time at a company to sort of shape their career then hopefully they'll either stay longer or they'll go into the world having saying great things even greater things about you than based than than potentially oh they just took every pound of flesh they could while I was working there because that's what they wanted to do which I think the PR industry still absolutely has that reputation and I think everybody's trying to do as much as they can to stop that but you know you still hear those stories um, and I think that's that's the important thing we need to deal with in you know modern PR agencies. Um, and I suppose just with a, from looking at this from your perspective on that, you, you've just started a, a master's degree, haven't you? Which is a, uh, I suppose you're doing that for, for, for those equivalent reasons for yourself, if you see what I mean. But just talk us through why you're doing that and what it's all about. Sure. So, um, yeah, because I think I got to a stage where I you know, haven't learned everything I need to know about PR, but um, I've, I've done it for a long time. And I think going back in time, I probably would have done a more of a, you know, in, with hindsight, I would have studied psychology and looked at those sorts of things more because it's it's kind of more informative to PR than perhaps, well, I don't know about a PR degree so much because I didn't do one, but I did a, did a business studies degree and I, I'm not sure I use very much of that. Um, so I think that it, it was, it's been something that's interested me for a long time and I've been looking for the right time to go about and do um, study more in it so and it seemed like a good time so I'm studying um, behavioral science um, which is you know really fascinating uh, but also quite hard I'm like having to relearn how to write like a boring academic I'm like having to do uh, you know stats and things so it's quite it's quite a challenge but I think that it's kind of, it's good for the brain and it gives you a new way of looking at things and uh and also, you know, I, I want people to feel that it, it's a good thing to, to, to go, you know, just because I've got to my age and I'm running a business doesn't mean I know it all. Debbie, all you talk, you talk like you're 65. Can I just assure readers that <laughs> 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 the absolute prime of life? But but I mean, I suppose there's a there's an interesting backstory there. In sense, your kids are a bit older now. Uh, you, your business is a, in a stable place. So you kind of have, you know, I'm sure you're a busy lady, but you have some time to go and immerse yourself yourself in this stuff maybe a little bit more than you did five years ago I don't know oh absolutely you know my children just want my money um and uh my husband's retired and so he's around more and can walk the dog more 
Um, and yeah, I'm really lucky enough to have I've, I've put in place a really good management team at Wildfire. So I'm not one of, you know, I'm not someone who's too busy working in the business and not on the business. I, I still do a lot, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing masses on clients. I'm not writing press releases every hour of every day. So uh, I have got, I have, you know, I have got that time to do it. But, it, it, you know, it's still difficult to try and juggle that time and um, still. Um, and yeah. I'm still at the early stages of it. So I haven't really got to doing exams and assignments. I think that'll be fun times. Well, a few years back, I did my, a bit more than that, I did my CIM a few years back. And I, I, to be honest, I thought it'd be an absolute doddle um but it wasn't I had to I I it, it it was I had to work quite hard and do a lot I'm not a very fast reader oddly enough Debbie so it that was where I struggled it took me a long time to do enough reading to to to, to get it all sorted but what I was going to add was I did psychology a level and it's definitely the um that the sort of bit of my academic history I find the most useful I think in in my in, in life it's so it's so um it just allows that empathy with what's going with what people are thinking and what's going on in society and it's it's such a useful element isn't it I think so. And I think even more so in PR, even maybe uh, it, it will be in running a business or dealing with people. And I think that's, you know, um, that's absolutely the more you can do to improve your understanding of yourself and other people and be a better person and help people along the way, I think is is uh, the more the better, really. Yeah. I mean, especially I mean, with behavioural science, it's definitely I don't know about PRs going that way. It's a, probably always has been. It's a, a vital element of, of public relations, isn't it? So uh, you're going to, what do you? It's going to give you a, a, a more than another string to your bow, isn't it? It's going to be, it's going to be really useful. I hope so. At the moment, I'm just being a stats nerd in the office, and everyone's laughing at me. But uh, hopefully, it will get better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and when did you finish it? Uh, twenty and most of the academic stuff is over this year and then the following year I have to so I have to do a work placement oh are well, uh, you gonna do that the, PR moment yes <laughs> correct <laughs> uh, the offer I accept and um and a dissertation so uh yeah um brilliant Debbie Penton thanks so much for coming on the show really enjoyed it thank you very much for having me Ben Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.